today on Hardwired. So we have a mysterious character here, and the mysterious character is a great harlot. Now, not literally, of course. This harlot, we're gonna see, represents a harlot religious system that's going to appear in the last days, great tribulation time period. And this really matters, folks, because I believe we're watching it, the beginnings of it form right now in our world. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, today we're going to be talking about two very odd characters in the book of Revelation. We've been going through the entire book, and we're more on the other half side of the book of Revelation. And we're going to encounter two characters called a beast and a harlot. Well, who in the world is the beast and who is the harlot? Well, we're going to find out today. It's a great, great study. I encourage you, grab your Bible, grab something to write with, and let's take notes as we learn what John has to say and what was shown to him by the Lord Jesus Christ about a beast and a harlot that will appear during the Great Tribulation. Let's go. Now, in our last time together, we witnessed the final three bold judgments. Now, let me just stop here because the book of Revelation is like this. You're going through so much information, so much heavy stuff, that it's real easy to kind of get lost, sort of like lost in the woods. And so let me just drop back just for a second and remind us that the book of Revelation is primarily a book of prophecy. Now, in chapter 1, we see, we're introduced to, we're given a picture of the resurrected Messiah. Not Jesus walking around on earth, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, the Lamb of God. But we're seeing the resurrected Messiah in chapter 1. Eyes like fire, snow white hair, feet like bronze, a voice like thunder. He's the resurrected Messiah. And so we're struck with, right off the bat, in this book of Revelation, which is the Greek word apocalypsis, and it means that which has formerly been hidden but is now revealed, okay? No way you would have known what's in the book of Revelation until the book of Revelation was given to John because it was hidden. But apocalypsis means unveiling. So we're seeing something that if God hadn't decided to reveal it to us, we'd never know it. So we see the resurrected Messiah in all of his glory in chapter one. And what is Jesus tell John, he says, John, I want you to write these things down. Here's the three things I want you to write. What has been, what is, and what is to come. So I want you to write, John, you're going to be writing in this, these 22 chapters, you're going to be writing about 
what has already happened, what is right now, and what is to come. Now we see in the book of Revelation, John goes back into the past, and we see Jesus crucified, we see Jesus resurrected, we see Jesus born, where the dragon is trying to destroy him in Revelations 13, I believe, and is unsuccessful. So he goes back into the past, what has been. But then in chapters 2 and 3, he deals with what is and what is at the time. Seven churches Christ is addressing. And all of them are there at that time. All of them, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Smyrna, all of them. They're all there, present tense. And I believe what we see in those churches are true to churches everywhere to this day. I also think they might mark certain ages of the church. So that right now, we're in the Church of Laodicea, I believe. The materialistic church, focusing on money, things, stuff, what you possess. Jesus said to that church, remember, he said, you say you are rich. He's talking about money. And because you're rich, you don't have need of anything. But I say to you, you want to know the truth? You're miserable, you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. So Jesus said, you think that you've got all you need by material stuff? No, materialism doesn't add anything to the quality of your spirit. All right? So he says, I counsel you to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, an allusion to the things of God. All right. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 are what had been and what was. But then from chapter 4 through 22, it's pure, high-level prophecy. The things that will be. And it is a profound prophecy. Just profound. A lot of people won't touch it because they don't think you can understand it. So they won't teach it. But I believe God wouldn't give it to us if we couldn't teach it. If we couldn't understand it. All right? He doesn't want us dazed and confused. He doesn't want us perplexed. So just a little catch up there. So where are we now? We're smack in the middle of high level prophecy in Revelation 17. So, in our last time together, we did see the final three bold judgments poured out on a world that rather than repent, curses and blasphemes God as the judgments fall. Isn't that amazing? Now remember, there's 21 judgments that are poured out during what we call the Great Tribulation. Seven years of Great Tribulation so you got seven sealed judgments, and to me, they're terrible, but they're the mildest. Because when you come to the trumpets, it's worse. When you come to the bowls, it's the worst of the worst. Now, as we begin chapter 17, we're going to meet two mysterious characters, and they're going to be a real eye-opener. So the Apostle John is once again approached by one of the seven angels, that had held one of the bowls. And this angel reveals something to John that astonishes him. Verse 1, chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, 
with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Everybody say, say what? So we have a mysterious character here. And the mysterious character is a great harlot. Now, not literally, of course. This harlot, we're going to see, represents a harlot religious system that's going to appear in the last days, great tribulation time period. And this really matters, folks, because I believe we're watching it, the beginnings of it form right now in our world. The fact that the great harlot is sitting on many waters symbolizes a vast worldwide influence. This religious harlot system that's going to appear in the great tribulation has corrupted the entire world. She's sitting on many waters. Picturesque of the entire world. In scripture, harlotry often refers to spiritual harlotry, idolatry. All right? Read the book of Hosea, and you'll hear about it over and over and over again. When people departed from God in the Old Testament, they were often addressed as spiritual harlots, idolaters. They had gone into spiritual harlotry. They had forsaken God. They had sold out. All right? So a departure from the true God results in a false apostate religious system. And that's what we're going to see forming in the Great Tribulation period. A false religious apostate system that will cover the globe. Now I want to say again, I believe we're watching that form right now. And I'm going to elaborate on that in just a moment. The constant refrain of the Old Testament prophets is to rebuke Israel and Judah for engaging in spiritual harlotry by their worship of idols. When they went worshiping idols, God said, you've gone into spiritual harlotry. And he judged them for it. They lost their nation. They lost their city. They lost Jerusalem. They lost everything God had given them because of spiritual harlotry. All right? So here we have this harlot sitting on many waters and that shows there's going to be a religious harlot system dominating the world in the Great Tribulation period. So this is what John sees, an apostate religious system that is going to work in coordination with the Antichrist. Now we think of Paul's similar prediction of what will take place in the last days. Here's what Paul says, 1 Timothy 4.1. I can't get away from this verse. The Spirit clearly says... Everybody say clearly. He's wanting us to know. I mean, the Spirit is distinctly, undeniably, irrefutably telling me something. Clearly says, in later times, latter times, there's going to be a departure from the faith. And this matters. Watch this, everybody. And they're going to follow deceiving spirits. And they're going to follow things taught by demons. Who will? those who have departed from the faith. People that sit in church pews. People that are professing Christian. I want you to get the import of this verse. I wish I could work it in the Greek language. If I just spent all night working this one verse in the Greek language, it would be a real eye-opener because it's very strong. Paul says, by the Spirit, I'm seeing down the tunnel of time. And I'm seeing an apostasy coming. Now, folks, an apostasy is not backsliding. Backsliding and apostasy are two different things. 
a backslider gets caught up in some sin, they get messed up in the flesh, they get involved in something they know they shouldn't, and they get trapped. And they walk away from church, walk away from prayer, and they get caught up in the things of the world, and they backslide. That's not the same as apostasy. Apostasy is when you say, I no longer believe, I want nothing to do with Christ, nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the Bible, I renounce it, I denounce it, I cast it aside, don't even talk to me about it, I'm done with it. It's when you renounce the faith. That's apostasy. That's what he's saying is going to happen here. It'll be a worldwide apostasy. Now, let me ask you a question. Are we seeing that today? We seeing people apostatize? Oh, yeah. I mean, big name people. People that have written Christian books. People that have written Christian songs that went worldwide are coming out and saying, I no longer believe. Really? Well, you're not backsliding. You're apostatizing. That's a big deal, folks. That's really serious. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Paul says they're going to abandon the faith. That means they're going to walk away from it. And what are they going to do? Something has called them out. What is it? Spirits that are deceiving them. And things literally taught by demons. Did you know the devil teaches? Are you all aware the devil teaches? Oh, you better know he teaches. He knows the Bible better than a lot of Christians. Didn't he go to Jesus and say it is written? Over and over again, he used the word of God, try to trip up the son of God. If he hadn't known the word, of course, he was the word. But a lesser opponent would have caved very possibly to the level of attack Satan brought to Jesus. And what did he use? He used the word. So in the last days, the last days are going to be characterized by industrial strength deception everywhere. Are we seeing that on social media? I mean, there's more. Don't get me wrong. Listen, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They're all real for today. But there's some things on that web claiming to be God that are no more God than I am a NASA astronaut. They're not God. Okay? And I'm amazed at the number of followers they have. But anyway, who is this great harlot that we're seeing sitting on the waters of the world? She's comprised of an all-inclusive, corrupted Christianity with apostate Protestantism, Roman Catholicism, and a blend and a mix of other false religions that produce one final, last day's corrupt superchurch. Why can't we all just get along? But the push in the last days and leading up to the Great Tribulation is going to be, hey, love 
should overlook differences in beliefs. We need to come together in an ecumenical kind of way. And can't we all just get along, meet together? We all worship the same God. We all worship the same maker. Yeah, your religion is called something different from mine, but it's all the same thing. No, it's not. But that'll be the call. That'll be the message. Now, in light of the inroads that New Age mysticism, false feel-good Bible teaching, the push towards inclusivism I was just talking about, and other spurious false doctrines that have infiltrated today's church, this isn't at all difficult to imagine. This super church, this apostate church, this great spiritual religious harlot influencing the world, this false religious system that will reign supreme and work in tandem with Antichrist to deceive the world? Not hard to imagine it. For instance, I'll give you a couple of examples. New Age practices and beliefs have wormed their way into churches and denominations across America. The belief in spiritual portals, you know, that's a New Age concept. That's something straight out of science fiction. There's no such thing in the Bible as a portal. And yet, many churches believe in this, teach it. Yoga, that's New Age. Communicating with the dead. You say, well, nobody does that. Oh, don't they? Oh, yes, they do. They go lay across people's graves that they might suck in their mantle, the mantle of the person that's dead in the grave. And that's happened in key churches across America called grave sucking. I kid you not. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid we're going to need some heart medicine here before I'm done. Because, folks, I'm serious. I stay up. I try to stay up on what's happening in the church because I'm a pastor and I want to know what's going on with the church. And I'm telling you, there are major works who have involved themselves in this. They go to the grave of a, some dead saint and lay across it like this and pray that their mantle gets into them as if a dead person can hand a mantle when only God gives an anointing. Amen. Communicating with angels. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's people say, oh, my angel comes, talks to me all the time. I'm going to tell you, no, they don't. Not a real one. If it was a real one, you'd be on your face trembling. you die. All right? The belief that Christians are little gods. The little gods doctrine. We're not little gods. We are saved sinners. There's only one God. I'm so glad he's God. Praying to and even commanding angels. People saying, I command my guardian angel to do this, that, and the other. I've heard it, and I've read it. This is new age. This is not Christianity, but it's invaded churches. It's found its way in. You, you can't command an angel. They obey Christ. They obey God, period. I've even heard people command Jesus to this, that, or the other. Oh, yeah. The teaching that you can create reality with the words of your mouth. I do believe that we need to make a good confession, but we don't create reality like God does. Only God does that. But if you read New Age books, they're filled with the teaching that what you say, you create it. You got to be real careful what you do with that. Because you don't create reality. You don't create something out of nothing.
God does that. But these are New Age teachings, and I can go get New Age books and show it to you. It's New Age. And they've gained ground in today's church. John writes that this last day's harlot church will look good on the outside, but be utterly corrupt on the inside. Antichrist will place his approval on it, he will support it, and he'll use it to his evil ends. So this harlot church is going to be in league with the Antichrist, and John is going to introduce us next to him. So verse 3, Revelation 17. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman. Now this is the great harlot again, sitting on a scarlet beast. That's Antichrist which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, we're getting into some deep stuff here, but watch now. The second character presented is a scarlet beast, and the scarlet beast is seen upholding and carrying the harlot. All right? So the part we need to look at the way it's given to us. John says this beast has Heads and ten horns. Spielberg could not come up with this stuff. Seven heads, ten horns. And we're going to look more closely at this in verse 7. I want to go back to this religious harlot a little bit longer. Verse 4. The woman, the great harlot, was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. What is so impressive about this harlot? She is materially wealthy. She has a display of grandeur royalty, um, impressive on the outside. She's beautiful, richly dressed, royal colors, bedecked with jewels. So she's very, very impressive when you see this religious harlot system that the Antichrist is going to use in the last days to captivate the entire world. However, there's a very dark side to her. I want you to notice, everybody, John knows that she has in her hand a golden cup full of abominations. Oh, she's wicked. And the filthiness of her fornication. On the outside, she's impressive, but on the inside, this religious harlot system is thoroughly corrupt, filled with abominations. Keep that in mind. Now next, we're coming to a third mystery. Enters the vision regarding the harlot. Verse 5, And on her forehead, there is a name that was written, Mystery Babylon, the Great the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. So here is now a third mysterious thing in the vision. Not a person, but what what is this mystery Babylon? Now, Babylon always pictures rebellion against God, false religion, the pride of man. Babylon began all the way back, we got to reach all the way back to a man named Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. That was the first, that's where Babylon Began, ba 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 ba. They all ba 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 babble, right? They were doing great till God cursed their language. Nobody understood each other, so we call it babble because they were babbling. All right. Tower of Babel. Why did God curse it? Because it was not built for the worship and praise of God, but it was dedicated to the glory of man with the motive of making a name for the builders. So Babylon has always been about the glory of man. Rebellion against God and pride, all right? Because look what they said in Genesis 11, verse 4. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for who? 
What's it say up there? Come on, everybody. So what were they wanting to do? They wanted a name for themselves. That was all about them, had nothing to do with God. They were in rebellion against God. So likewise, we got to keep that in mind because we, Genesis is what? The book of origins. When you read about something in Revelation, Babylon, you got to go back. Well, where did it begin? It began in Genesis. So spiritual Babylon represents man's pride, rebellion, and the destruction that always accompanies a departure from God. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.